It's Philosophy Talk. Most of the time you spent sleeping is not spent dreaming. It's spent nowhere. Why do we never question the bizarre fact that so much of our lives are spent in a state of unconsciousness? exactly is sleep anyway? And what is it for? What did Nietzsche mean when he said, Blessed are the sleepy ones, for they shall soon drop off? Our guest is Deidre Barrett from Harvard University. Wake up for the philosophy of sleep. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm George Annenberg, sitting in for John Perry, who's away. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're here at the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner at Stanford, where Ken and I both teach philosophy. So nice to have you here, Jora. Today, we're thinking about the philosophy of sleep. Ken, we spend so much of our lives asleep, but philosophers have had surprisingly little to say about it. I don't find it surprising at all. Philosophy is mostly about things we're conscious of. You know, things like experiences, choices, beliefs. And except for when we're dreaming, we're mostly not conscious when we sleep. So really, who cares, philosophically speaking, about sleep? Well, wait, Ken, philosophers also care about what makes us who and what we are. I mean, isn't sleep a really big part of who and what we are? Uh, if you're talking mere biology, Ken. Ken, you sound like some sort of dualist. I mean, you don't believe in immaterial souls, do you? No, I don't. I'm a thoroughgoing naturalist. You know that. Well, as a naturalist, then you believe that human beings are wholly biological beings, right? So how can you sneer at sleep? I didn't sneer exactly. Look, I already gave you dreaming as philosophically interesting. I mean, since the ancient Chinese, the Greeks, Descartes' dreaming argument, philosophers have thought a lot about, say, what distinguishes wakeful consciousness from the dreaming variety. And since Freud, everybody's worried about what dreams reveal about the unconscious mind. Those are great questions, but sleep in general is you know, pointless. Yeah, but philosophers also care about the nature of the well-lived life, right? Well, of course we do. That's our bread and butter. Well, look, as somebody who has suffered some serious insomnia at some points in my life, let me tell you, you can't live well if you don't sleep well. Well, that's true, but sleep is kind of like brushing your teeth or going to the bathroom. It's mere housekeeping. Nobody lives to sleep. We sleep to live. Speak for yourself. I love a good night's sleep. Ah, I do too. But look, Jora, when they finally tell the story of my life, Years and years hence, sleep won't figure as a significant trope. Here lies Ken Taylor. He slept. Come on. Ken, come on. How you sleep, when you sleep, how often you sleep, who you sleep with, these all play a huge role in the stories of our lives. You come on, Joe. <laughs> Look, Ken, think of sleeping with another person. That's a symbol of intimacy and connection. Sleeping with the wrong person, a betrayal. 
Sleeping too much, that can be a sign of sloth or depression. Sleepless nights, that can be a sign of a troubled heart or a guilty conscience. Sleep matters, not just biologically, but narratively. Oh, look, look, I already I, I told you I grant the instrumental value of sleep as housekeeping. What I question is its intrinsic value. I'll give you a thought experiment. Imagine that the day comes when we're all, you know, post-human. Oh, you mean like when we transcend our mere biology, merge our consciousness with our iPhones, upload ourselves to the cloud and become virtual beings? That's total <laughs> science fiction, Ken. You scoff, dude, but you know, there are guys investing millions and millions of dollars, smart guys, in trying to make this happen, and they say it's going to happen soon. Now, here's my question for you. Ask yourself, will we still care about sleep when that day does come? How should I know? I have a hard enough time figuring out what to care about as a human, much less a post-human. Okay, okay, try this. I'm going to offer you, Jorah, the human, the mere human, a pill. <laughs> Take it just once and you get all the benefits of a good night's sleep on a recurring basis and you never have to lose a moment's consciousness again. Do you take it? No way, man. I want my daily break for consciousness. I want to dream. I want to feel the joy of waking up in my big comfy bed next to my love, ready to take on the new day. Oh, come on. I'm offering you more life, dude. Instead of 60 years without living, a worth of living in a 90-year span, you get the full 90. Come on, think of other articles you could write. Think of the sites you could see who would turn that down all right i i think i'm starting to see your problem ken you're still that little kid who never ever wants to fall asleep you don't want to miss any of the fun grow up man embrace sleep asleep is just a necessary evil jorah ken i'm beginning to think you might need an attitude adjustment uh, well you know in fact jorah People's attitudes towards sleep have changed a lot over the years. So we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Shuka Kalantari, to talk to a historian about the evolution of our attitudes towards sleep. She files this report. Before the early 20th century, people slept in segments. They would typically go to bed around 9 or 10 p.m. and sleep for three or four hours. Then they'd wake up for an hour or two, do stuff, and sleep again until morning. It was called first sleep, and second sleep, and it was completely normal. Uh, those who remained in bed uh, prayed, meditated, uh, reflected upon dreams uh, from which typically they would have uh, just awakened. Roger E. Kirch is a professor at Virginia Tech and a sleep history expert. In addition to those who remained in bed, uh, some arose. They would use the time to go to the bathroom or weave some flax. Uh, still others on occasion might visit a neighbor or even more commonly uh, filch uh, lumber uh, from a neighbor's yard. Uh, it was a prime time for petty crime. It was also a great time for something else. Ekerch says many physicians in the 16th century prescribed this as prime time to conceive children. Especially peasants who were so exhausted after a day's labor that they could barely stay awake in coming home from the fields to eat an evening meal. Ekerch believes the segmented sleep was the dominant pattern of human slumber in the Western world until the Industrial Revolution changed all that. The Industrial Revolution placed primary stress on productivity, efficiency. Increasingly, individuals and their families were urged to shun a second sleep, both for their health 
and for their future prosperity. There was also a lot more artificial light available by the early 19th century. Artificial lighting has a direct impact on many circadian rhythms within the human body. It alters the normal pattern of our sleep. In the early 1990s, psychologist Tom Weir did a study where he subjected a dozen men to several weeks with zero artificial light at night. Not only did their sleep become segmented, but he was able to demonstrate that they routinely awakened from their first sleep from very vivid uh, narrative dreams. Today waking up at night is considered a problem. It's formally called middle of the night insomnia. Interestingly, only in the late 19th and early 20th centuries does insomnia become medicalized as a problem. Uh, it's no coincidence in my mind that many instances of middle of the night insomnia today are but a echo, a very persistent, strong echo of this older pattern of sleep. Ekerch says what he tells people, especially those who experience middle of the night insomnia, is to look at it from a historical perspective. Very likely their sleep is utterly natural and that they should rest more easily with that knowledge and hopefully upon awakening in the middle of the night, having this explanation, be able to fall back to sleep in less than an hour or so. Professor Ekerch says ultimately, our current eight hours a night sleep pattern is man-made. So if you do wake up in the middle of the night, don't stress over it. Historically, you're normal. It's not dark yet. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Shuka Kalantari. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music. Thank you for listening. Thank you for thinking. And thank you for supporting Philosophy Talk.